create lasting change, inspire others, and make a difference. You have joined the Influencers Podcast. I am your host, Dave Donaldson, and each week you will hear from distinguished co-hosts and guests as they share insights into impacting our culture from your neighborhood to the nations. Folks, every podcast, there's at least one major goal, and today that might be tough. Uh, because we're going to try to help our guest open up and come out of his shell. Of course, I'm being facetious because our special guest, Barry McGuire, is one of the most dynamic and passionate people and leaders that has ever graced this planet. His name is Barry McGuire, and he lives every day to move closer to Jesus and to help others move closer to Jesus And I've been the recipient of that encouragement and help over many years. Barry is president of McGuire's, a California-based company of car care products founded in 1901 and former host of Discovery's Velocity TV series called Car Crazy. Uh, He's a sponsor of Barrett Jackson Car Shows, McGuire Wax. You'll see that. Uh, in the background of all these car shows, and founder of Revival Outside the Walls. Uh, Barry is one of my closest friends, and I know I shouldn't be name-dropping. Ronald Reagan once told me that. Uh, Just kidding. Uh, But he also serves on the advisory board of CityServe International. I've asked my good friend, John Johnson, to interview Barry. So, Barry, I want to welcome you to our show. And uh, it is so good to have oh, you with us. Thank you, John. It's great, to, great to be with you. We've been friends for a lot of a lot of years. Yes, we, we have history together. Yes, so, we do. Uh, and always you, good to be with you. You have an incredible story, and I want to get right into it if we can. This well, one. God's Just, pretty amazing. You know, yes, when you is. when you serve Him, I, I get a kick out of people saying, oh, "I don't want to be a Christian." You know, you got to get into that box. You got you know, like oh. But they so don't understand what God's all about. That's right. Well, for our listeners who may not be aware of McGuire Wax, please briefly share with us a little bit about the company as it stands now and really some of the history. Well, my grandfather, uh, Frank McGuire Jr., started our company back in um, 1901 in Evansville, Indiana, making furniture polish. He was obsessed with creating a perfect finish on black lacquer furniture. As it happened, over half of all the horses carriage manufacturers in the country were in Indiana. He was in Evansville. And um, without his permission, they started taking his furniture parts, so as it knew about it, started putting it on the carriages. And so without his, uh, without his permission or even knowledge, really, um, his, his uh, furniture parts started being perceived as a carriage oh, polish. He moved out here in 1913 to Pasadena. Pasadena was settled by Indianians, as it goes, a lot of history there. And, uh, of course, he had no idea that, uh, you know, 30 years later at the end of World War II, the car hobby would be birthed, as we know it today, would be birthed uh, with the GIs coming home and wanting to hot rod their cars and make them go faster. They'd learned aerodynamics and they'd learned how to work in engines and their engine and their motor pools. And so they hopped up their cars. Of course, they all had great paint jobs and they wanted to have a perfect finish. And his, by that time, they had found out about it. And while he was focused on professionals, uh, what what happened was professional painters, the people that were doing the custom paint jobs for these guys in the 40s, then on the 50s, 
uh, almost to the last one, if not the last one, across the United States, we're all using McGuire's products. Wow. And um, as I got out, once I got out of school, I started going to car shows. Of course, I grew up in Southern California. You kind of had to be a, a, a car guy. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the culture out here, you know. And so I always loved it. But I always saw people using our products for the best cars. And as I went across the country, I found it was a, it was a national phenomenon. And they always tell me, I, I found it from my painter. My painter always gave me a bottle of the product and said, only use McGuire's, you know. <laughs> and so our professional roots birthed the retail. And so finally in... Uh, in 1969, I went to the family. I said, would you let me go retail with the brand? And we were doing about $600,000 a year then. That was 1969. From 1901 to 69, we were doing about $600,000 a year. My dad and his two brothers thought they died and gone to heaven. They never dreamed they could have a company that big. And they had retired. Hmm. And I wouldn't go retail. And they didn't, They said, we don't want to be in that Jippo discount business. And I said, you know, I just I just felt this way. I just want to sell car guys. Nobody else. I don't want to be a mass market product. But car guys are like professionals. They'll listen to directions. They want the same kind of results we want, and and they don't care about price. So reluctantly, they let me do that. Now here I am, I'm a young guy in the 20s, and have not a clue about the retail market. Imagine tomorrow morning you got to start off. How do I market a product to retail? I mean, that's a that's a. I knew how to buff a car. That's all I do. So I, it it was amazing that the the life verse for me has been Proverbs three five. Trust the Lord with your whole heart and don't lead into your own understanding. And for me, that was so easy because I had no understanding. I had none. And I just told God, without you, I'm toast. I am depending on you. Yeah. And um, so that has served me well all these many years. And. We finally launched, and, and um, God just brought favor. I mean, it, it's, it's challenging. We had double-digit growth for 30-some-odd uh, years and managing the supply side of that and the finance side of that and all, but we grew, and now we're the, you know, the number one car wax in America. Yeah. We, have, we have 27% market share. That's all the car wax, we have 27% market share, and we have it around the world. We have number one around the world. It's just been quite a ride, but you know what? Let me just say this. Uh, 1973, I actually launched the brand. At that same time, I had the mo- I prayed the most fervent prayer of my life, saying, "God, I think you're needing me into full-time ministries." I I'd gotten on to sharing my faith and having so much fun. I thought that it was my that my role, and I prayed. And I said, "God, I think you're leading me full-time ministry, and if, and, and if you want me to do that, you almost had to speak to me with an audible voice." Mm-hmm. Uh, and and once I know, I will go. And I knew that if I left the company, it's, I'm the third generation leader. There's nobody else to lead McGuire's. And about 20 minutes later, a guy walked in my office by the name of Dave McNutt. His brother is a professor at uh, Vanguard University and real solid guy. I knew who he was. I knew he was a missionary kid, grew up in Africa, my same age. I never had a conversation, never exchanged a glance with him, and he's in my office. And he says to me, uh, uh, I just walked in and says, hey, I'm just in the area. thought I'd stop by. How's it going? So I thought, well, he's probably not into shiny paint finishes and cool cars. So I just started telling him fun experience I was having sharing my faith. And he looked at me and he says, God's given you a wonderful ministry here, hadn't he? And I said, well, wait a minute. Why would you say that? I kind of like hearing Twilight Zone in the background. Just so <laughs> incredulous that he would ask me that question right then and make that statement right then. I said, why would you say that? He said, well, the people you're talking to, a pastor would never reach. But as a businessman, you can. He gives me this line. It's obvious that your business is your pulpit. Yeah. And that is true to everyone's listening to us right now. Wherever you are, that is your pulpit. And I took that. I say, I, it's, it's incredible. I just prayed this prayer. And I told him what I prayed. I said, it's just the timing is amazing. He's, well, that explains it. I said, explains what? 
He says, well, I, was, I just dropped missionaries off at Orange County Airport, and I was driving up Red Hill, closest Main Street to my office. And he said, God spoke to me and said, go see Perry McGuire. Mm. And I'd seen your building with a name on it, and I knew that from church, but I don't know. I said, God, I'm just going to embarrass myself. I don't know what kind of business he's in. And uh, he said, but I just, I, I just was compelled to come in. And uh, so now we see. So if he had not been obedient, it's a lesson of obedience, you yeah, know, John? It is. If he had not been obedient, I would have been a terrible pastor. <laughs> I'm a businessman, you know? And so that marked my life. And from then to now, um, I've, I viewed selling car wax secondarily. Yeah. And, and, and sharing my faith as my highest priority every moment of every day. And when they turn me down, it's almost better when the bad stuff happens because they expect your reaction to be bad. Yeah. And when they turned me down for the sale back in the day, it was hard to make the sales of the retailer stuff. I would just love them to death. I'd say, I understand. And there was someday I'm going to earn your respect. I'm going to get in there. Yeah, but in the meantime, God bless you. You're doing a great job. I'm so glad to get to meet you. I walk away. They go, whoa, what was that about? I just moved them closer to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do it better. You know this. You can do it better when bad times are happening. Right. <laughs> and the, when, you, when you've got the cancer report or you've you got some kind of trouble in your life, when you speak, that gives you credibility. Now when you start having joy, you share. You, yeah. People listen to you. Well, I, uh, I, I know that Paul the Apostle, he had a marketplace ministry. Oh, he, he made tents. Absolutely. And he was an apostle. <clears throat> you may not be a pastor but you have an apostolic calling on you, an well, evangelist. I think we all do, though. I don't think it's just me. We we all have we all have the same. The Great Commission's for all of us. You know, it's not for one or two. He didn't say go into the world. Those of you who are gifted or especially trained. I, quite frankly, I was an introvert. Mm-hmm. People have trouble believing that, but I was an introvert. Karen will tell you very quickly. We've been married for fifty-six years. I used to hide behind her, and she loved everybody. And it was sharing my faith that got me out of my shell because I knew I needed to talk to that person and that person. And that is literally what took me out of my shell of being an introvert. That's the truth. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Truth. Well, you, you're a businessman, a Christian businessman, and your, your business is Jesus. We know yeah. that. And yeah. Car Wax is my kind passion. of an on the yeah. side. I love my business. I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> I love this family business that I have, I mean, I am a car guy to the bone. I love cars. And I get to have the most fun being in all the great places and the best car guides, the best cars, the best shows and collections. Yes, I love do. every moment of it, you know. Yeah. But that's all going to pass away. When we get to heaven, it's not going to matter how many bottles of car wax I sold or how many yeah. great cars I sold at car shows. Everything's going to matter. Well, Do I have Jesus Christ as my Savior? And secondarily, it. how many people are in heaven because of my influence? That's true. Well, you're you, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, what is the best multi-level marketing plan in the world? Well, I think that's pretty obvious. Funny, uh, I've actually used that phrase on on occasion because it is. I mean, if if you lead one person to Jesus, you've led one person to Jesus. But if you really lead them in connection with God, if you love me, you'll love your neighbor. I mean, those two things go together. Yeah. He said, "Love me and love your neighbor." Two two most important commandments. But you can't there. You can't pull them apart. If you really love God, you love your neighbor, and you are as concerned for their salvation as you are your own. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. and when you do that, and you get into that same level, <laughs> then they're multiplying. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you get somebody, I mean, the church we try to get people saved. We want to get people saved, but that's just the first step. Problem is, we're just getting them saved, and then even then, we say, "What you're gifting? Oh, you should work in the in the music department or the nursery or whatever." No, no. The first work, the first thing every Christian does automatically is they want to tell somebody. 
when people get saved, we need to say, now let us help you express that better so you can tell your friends. Yeah. And that's, that is our calling. Life is about redemption, nothing else. Certainly not about selling car wax. Yeah. It's about how many people can I get to heaven before I die? In, yeah. in this time of, and most people just come in, they join up for the team, but they sit on the bench, John. And you and I have talked about this. They just sit on the bench. They're not engaged in the game. Uh, they just hear the same stuff over and over and over. Nobody's telling me. They never have any expectation of getting in the game. Yeah. So then they sit around. Then they start complaining and, about their own people. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and you got to get into the game. When you're in the game, you start having fun. That's right. If you don't get in the game, you lose track of the game. But when you're in the game, you're on the ready, man. Every moment you're sitting there, you're just getting ready for your defense and your offense, and you. And it's, yeah. it's life becomes an adventure. I mean, yes. it changes everything. It does, and that's. I want to unpack that a little bit more if we can this today. Uh, Barry, you wrote a, a couple of chapters for the City Serve Your Guide to Church-Based Compassion book. And you cited that the last half of the 19th century, the church transitioned to a social gospel well, with the intention of blending faith and works. How has that affected us today? Well, you know, I, and that's not my wisdom. I mean, there's, you've read the books. I mean, it's kind of a, a, a fact. It's been written by a lot of very bright people. I look at that because I've wondered myself, what— where do we get off the saying of folks and getting people saved? We had the great crusades and we had camp meetings. I grew up with camp meetings and man, I, you know, <clears throat> I, I heard hellfire and damnation sermons my entire growing up. I knew what hell was. I didn't want to go to hell, man. <laughs> no matter what, I didn't want to go to hell. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, it was just, but then we moved in the church and criticism, as I've read, and, and I saw some of it, criticism. We weren't doing it. If we, if we really love God, why are we not doing more? And the, like the unchristians are doing all this stuff. What are the Christians doing? So it kind of swung the other way to where we kind of got caught up in good works, I think. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, that that is a shortfall where you think doing good things is salvation, but you know doing good doesn't get me to heaven or anybody else to heaven. Yeah. And I actually bought into this. I, I you know having been a a Christian trying seeking God, trying to figure out what it's all about and and reconciling Scripture. I mean daily for fifty years. After a while, you start to figure it out, and you go through periods where you make mistakes. And what it was, I bought it. Some send and some go. Well, I thought, well, that, this makes sense. I make a lot of money, and I pay, and they and they go and do the work, and I get the same brownie points they do. <laughs> you know? yeah. But that's just absurd, and I got dry as dry as dry can be. You know, it's just, yeah, and so I, I, I really was praying for joy. Joy, give me, good God, I want joy. How can I have joy? Karen and I, we're volunteering for everything. We're giving sacrificially. We had no joy. And I have found since then so many Christians are, and that's why they know something's missing. They love their pastors. They're going to church. They're there every time the doors are open. They're supporting all the work of the church. They have no joy. Yeah. And joy doesn't come from giving. And quite frankly, when you give, uh, a pride comes in. I talk to people. They say, you know, I'm giving here, giving there, and I got my name on this building and all that stuff. I say, you know, that's not really being righteous. Yeah. And they say, what do you mean? Um, I, I hate to tell you, that's kind of being self-righteous. You're really proud of what you're doing. And everybody's coming and saying, look at what you did. John, Bob's a really good guy, and he funded that, and he really cares for me and all that stuff. That's being mm. self-righteous. And, 
you know, if you're doing stuff, you need to do it, one, to lead people to Jesus Christ, and secondly, give him the glory. Yes. So to say, Bob's doing that. Look what Bob's doing. And he's a Christian. He's doing it because he's a Christian. You just see the love of God flowing through Bob to help those people. So, And then stewardship, uh, you and I have talked about this a lot through the years. The stewardship is not just giving money. I had, a, I had a wonderful pastor for years of my teenage years saying, every offering, we pay our tithes and we give our offerings. Mm-hmm. And that never left me. What a great phrase. Yeah, yeah. paying the tithe, the 10% is just to start. We owe that. We pay that. And then it's into the, the giving, the offerings thing, you know. Sure. But then stewardship to me became a little bit, oh, when I had a little more money I could give, where do I give? And I got convicted that I was supporting some programs of people that I liked and had great brochures, and and they really played and they did things for me. And gee, I get to go to their dinners and their tree wonderfully. But was anybody getting saved? Hmm. I felt good about it, and people really applauded me. Boy, Barry, I so support your appreciate your support. And I got convicted. I started realizing, you know what? We need to be stewards of our money, not just how where how much we give our money, mm-hmm. but but what's being done with our money. It's God's money. And is it is it going to multiply or and put it in the ground? You know the parable of the talents. You put it there. You can put it. You can put it in the ground of ministries that aren't doing anything. They're flying around in jet airplanes and all kinds yeah. of administrative costs, and nobody's getting saved. Yeah. And so there's a responsibility of all for all every Christian. If you're going to give money, not just to give, even to your church, hold people accountable. You want to know, and before you go back and give me more, what happened since I was with you last? Give me a report. Is there something redemptive going on? Because it's not redemptive, it's something that, uh, quite frankly, liberal people that have anti-God people can fund good causes. (laughs) If they can fund it, I don't want to. (laughs) That's right. And you've just described the difference between good stewardship and poor stewardship. Really? I mean, it's stewardship, but it's, but it's, Ineffective, and it's God ineffective. holds us accountable. Yes, if yeah. we want to be so lazy, is to give money to certain. And, and I got to tell you, it's easy to, to be attracted to give money for things that will bring back uh, applause to you, yeah. mm. and appreciation, and thanks. And you get to and when you do it, you get to get in on this trip or this special s- s- event. Or I mean, there's all these things, ways to raise money, you know. Yeah. And it's it's it can if you're not sensitive to that, it can turn your head. That's not the reason you're giving. Right. I mean, if, if it is the reason you're giving, you need to rethink what you're doing. Right. You need to look and, and be very sensitive. When you're giving, you want to see what's the return. What's the ROI? I'm very big on ROI. What's the ROI? How many people are getting saved? Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And, of course, that's why I'm in love with CityServe yes. because that is the highest calling, the yes. highest calling. Yeah. It's all about yeah. a way to get people to Jesus Christ. Yes. And that's why I'm just a, a cheerleader for CityServe. Yes. Said, oh, my goodness. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I, uh, wanna, I've heard you speak on many different occasions, and one of your favorite declarations is this, to move everyone every day closer to Jesus. Well, yes. What are, what are some ways we can do that? Well, it's fun. It's like sport. I mean, it just it just brings you alive. When you recognize, it starts every day. We say, okay, God, <laughs> I want to move everybody closer. you got to be intentional. If you're unintentional, well, it's not going to happen. Uh, some programs say, find somebody today to share your faith with. Okay, um, out of all the people I'm going to be with today that are on their way to hell, I should select one person. <laughs> Which one should I select? And then, of course, you know it at all, and the day goes by. Um, that is just foolish. Yeah. Um, the fact of the matter is 80% of America doesn't go to church anymore. Yeah. The statistics are just that. 
they go on occasion for Christmas, a Christmas, you know, Christmas and Easter, or a special occasion, just stuff to ease their conscience, but they're not being touched by the, by the church. The only way to reach these people is outside the walls of the church. So you can figure about 80% of the people, and probably more, um, uh, I have had pastors tell me, well, I need to teach my people. I don't really have the opportunity. Oh, oh, you don't go to restaurants. Oh, you don't fly on there. You're never in waiting rooms. You never go to the bank. You don't get your hair cut. You don't yeah. do any of these. Well, yeah. Uh, Greg Laurie says it well. What are pastors doing when they're off the clock? And we all, I mean, we have every moment. And I'm, I know now for a fact that he didn't just direct our steps. If we're ready, uh, he directs their steps. Yes, that's and so good. And I can good. give you a million stories on that. Yeah. But just to be on the ready and, and look at it. And, you know, there's a there's a misconception that sharing your faith means i got to get them down on their knees and pray the sinner's prayer. And quite frankly, I've done that a lot. But it's probably one out of 500 times. You know, most time, the, the Christians are not seen as loving. We think we're loving. Christians are seen as narrow-minded and stupid and angry and all the things. And they don't want what we have, John. They don't want what we have. That's why we're in free fall. Well, let me ask you this. You bring up a great point. <clears throat> Probably you, you hit the number one and number two complaints that non-believers have regarding Christians. Yeah. The, number one, they're not loving, they're hateful. And number two, they're hypocrites. What do you say, <laughs> what do you say to someone who would make that claim? Yeah, well, first off, uh, on the loving thing, he said they'll know you're my disciple by your love. Not by your Bible knowledge, not by your abilities to quote scripture, not by your charisma. Um, some of the best soul winners I have met through my life have been people that of not great stature and not well spoken, but they're just so close to God. I just say, I just want to hang out with you. I want what you got. Yeah. I want what you have. You're so close to God. You know those people, and the world knows those people. Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, it's not about having the gift of gab, or it's not about that. It's just having the love for God and love on. It's anybody can love. You don't have to be trained to love on people and do it with the love of God. Yeah. And then, just be. You know, I'm not. I'm not big on training. I don't do any. I never do any preparation. I'd say Holy Spirit, and it's the Word of God. The Holy Spirit gives you the words to say. So when you're in the person, um, so, some programs say, um, get your story done. Be ready to tell your story at any time. Well, my, what story? I've got a hundred stories. I have hundreds of stories. Which one best fits that person? I need to be a detective. Ask them a whole bunch of questions and then find out where they're hurting. And then just, it, it really comes faster than you can even pray. I would just say, Holy Spirit, give me, bring to my memory a scripture, an experience in my life. An experience, maybe it's Johnny Erickson. I use Johnny Erickson often. It's yeah. her story, not mine. Her story is way more powerful than mine. What happens when bad things happen, you know? And so you do that in a loving way, and you just look for opportunities. I'd say like support you. When you're on the on the court, you're looking for that opening. I'm always looking for the opening where I can inject God into the conversation. Every conversation, Johnny, do this. I'm looking for a place where I can jump into that conversation with something about God that doesn't raise eyebrows. Yeah. It's just a natural thing. What would be an example? Um, chaos. A lot of people talk about chaos. What's going on here? I just say, well, they say, how can those politicians say it? That's it's the dumbest they ever seen. I said, you know, it's it's called spiritual blindness. Oh, what do you mean spiritual blindness? 
Well, you know, Satan blinds them. Jesus said it himself, Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers. And 80% of our population are unbelievers. They're blinded. They can't even see the truth. Now, I didn't offend them at all with that. I gave them information they never had before, and it yeah. opens up the conversation about God. Mm-hmm. People want to know. 86% of the unchurched, even if those that say they're atheists, would like to believe there's a God who can make sense out of the chaos. They know the world's out of control. The the billionaire people I know are more worried than anybody else. Where do they put their stash? Yeah. Or there's no safe place, only a God, you know? Yeah. And so they, 86% of the unchurched are looking for somebody to tell them that there's a, actually a God that can make sense out of it all. 83% already have a Christian in their life that they respect. Mm. If we just turned our lights on as Christians, we could evangelize the world in 30 days. Yeah. But only 1% of us are sharing our faith. They're not the problem. How are they going to know unless somebody tells them? We're not telling them. So, yes, it, it is that. And that, the and thing about hypocrites, I just laugh about it. I say, I'm, I'm, I'm chief. What? <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I know what I should do, but oftentimes I don't do yeah. it, and I, I strive harder. Now, there are some hypocrites just say one thing and do another. I grant you there's going to be those. Yes. But you don't compare to that because they don't represent God. God is love. God never changes. His truth is always, you know, solid as a rock. Yeah. And, and so you look at God and his word and not at people. But on the other hand, people are imperfect, and that's why we know we can't get to heaven well, I thank God that he knows my flaws, and yeah. that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. If we could be perfect, then he wouldn't have needed to send his son to die, but he did. He knew he yeah. couldn't, and so he sent his son to die to give us his righteousness and give his life for us. So the, 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 whatever the hypocrisy thing gets mentioned, which is often, I love it. It just opens up the door for a great conversation. <laughs> well, I see that there is a, an intentionality with you every moment. Of every day, you're everybody. looking for yeah. a way to oh, move people it, it, closer it to Jesus. Adventure. Move everybody yeah. every day closer to Jesus. Let me just give you a scripture Isaiah 43 10. Thus saith the Lord. I love this scripture. I have appointed you as my witness so that you will believe. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. If I wrote that scripture and I was God, I'd say, I appoint you as my witness so they will believe. But no, he says, so you'll believe. Mm. Christians, if you're listening to us right now, and I don't care how much you're giving to the ministry, even to city serve, as wonderful as that is, you can't do anything better than that. But, but you know, if <laughs> if you're not sharing your faith, you're missing out on all the fun of being Christian. And when you share your faith, you're being asked questions you can't answer, most likely. I can answer most of them now. After 50 years, I can kind of answer them. I almost miss the days where I couldn't answer these. I, I always say, you know, that's a great question. I I don't know what it is, but God does. Would you allow me to pray for you the next three or four days? Listen, can we get together on Thursday, and I'll have an answer for you? If I Can I pray for you the next four days? And they always say yes. Yeah. And then guess what happens over those next four days? All of a sudden, I'm a guy that's never, never had enough time to pray. And read my Bible, and all of a sudden, <laughs> every chance I get, man, I'm digging in the Word. God, I got to have some. God, help me. Again. I got to be back to Bob on Thursday, you know. And all of a sudden, comes, and then he always gives you the answer. And then you share the answer on Thursday with Bob. And he comes alive, or he's weeping, or whatever. And he walks away. God, you just used me to touch Bob. Yeah. There's no other experience in human experience 
that rivals that. There's nothing like a save our That's own true. salvation. And we can have that every day. Life becomes an adventure. Words come out of your mouth. You don't even know where they came from. The Spirit speaks through you. Wow, where did that come from? Yeah. The Word comes alive. Your prayer life. You have purpose for your prayer life. Since I got to pray tonight. Oh, I got to read my Bible. No, you have prayer. You're digging and, you, and you're praying, God, and help me with those I don't even, haven't even met yet. You're bringing my life tomorrow. And I can't believe all the people you have around me and the experiences you're giving me, the opportunities you're giving me. God, I just love you. I've had the time of my life and just help me to represent you correctly. I mean, it puts joy in everything you're doing. And in John 15, 11, he says, when you bear fruit, my joy remain with you and your joy remain full. This is all scriptural. I just had to be a layman that discovered this 40 years ago and been doing it for 40 years. I am having the time of my life at my age. I, I cannot believe the fun I'm Having. It's great. It's That's contagious. amazing. It's am- And it is <laughs> contagious. And I'm getting excited just hearing you share. I want you, I've heard you share some incredible stories over the years. Can you share with our listeners maybe a story or two of how this has actually worked out in your life as you opened up to people oh, and well, invited them? Oh, to- I got a ton of them. How much time do we have? Let's see. I'll pick, I'll pick one. Um, I'm in a hotel and um, uh, I'm meeting a friend for dinner, a friend and his wife, and I have to get there first because he always likes to pick up the tab, but I want to get there first. So I pull my phone up and I go for Uber app. Uber app not available. I turned to Kara and said, we got to get downstairs outside the hotel. The Uber app won't work here. So we quickly go downstairs. We walk out in front of the hotel and uh, um, it won't work out there either. And, uh, uh-oh, what are we going to do now? And Karen says to me, um, uh, you better get that cab right there. I said, good idea. So I told him, oh, we'll take that cab. He said, oh, that cab is spoken for. It's spoken for? Yeah, the lady behind you back there, she's, that's her cab. Oh, well, how long will it take us to get a cab? Well, it's 5 o'clock, and we're a little short right now, probably about 10 minutes, and blood starts draining from my head. I got to get to dinner. I got to, what, what are I going to do? The lady behind me says, sir, uh, you can have my cab. What? You can have my cab. Um, Why? Well, my husband's upstairs. I don't know what he's doing, you know. So by the time he gets down there, we'll be fine for the next cab. You just go ahead and take that cab. So we get in the cab. From the first sentence, the guy has profanity. He's just shouting it. He's raised voice, and he's trying to find out where we want to go, but he just blankety blank, blank. Can you tell me what's going on? And it turns out his wife just died from a prolonged bout of cancer, it was ugly. And it went over a long period of time. And his kids were out of control. And they're mad at him, not speaking to him at that moment. And, and he, he, he just, I, 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 I just coming apart. I don't know what to do. I said, I, so I just, you know, God, give me a word. I said, you know, God says, come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you peace. And he yells at the same voice, peace. Oh, man, do I need peace. <laughs> I knew I had him. I said, well, let me tell you the source of peace. So I started giving him a scripture after scripture. He said, oh, I need this. I need this. Man, I haven't been in church for so long. I've been away from this. I remember some of those scriptures. Oh, my goodness. That's, this is, I need to be in church. I said, you need to be in church, and you'll get your joy back, and God will make your path straight. He said, oh, man, I got to do that. So when we get out, we get to the restroom. And I said, I tell you, if you give me a cell number, I'll find a church near you and text it to you and give you a name. He said, would you do that for me? I said, absolutely. So he gave me a cell number. I said, can we pray for you? Would you? I said, yeah. So in front of that restaurant, traffic going by, people walking in the restaurant, Harris cared to me and this taxi driver in our little circle. And we're praying away in a Holy Spirit prayer. We're all crying and hugging afterwards. He walked away. And I walked to that restaurant and said, 
Yes. 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 Yeah. I'll give you a funny story. Just I, the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we give God joy, so I just picture, I just get, I just put a smile on God's face. Yeah. And he's like, he's looking out and saying, way to go. Yeah. Way to go, Barry. No, and that's... that is the strength. I have strength when I do that. I don't care what else happened in that day. It doesn't matter. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes, it is. It's so cool. Barry, um, you've also said that all of life is about redemption. Whatever you do or say, support that doesn't lead people to Jesus is poor stewardship. <laughs> it really is. Can you, know? you elaborate on that well, you a little know, we bit? Talk, we've talked about stewardship of our money, but stewardship of everything God's given us. People, We are the city set on the hill. If we're a Christian, people are watching us. People we don't even know are watching us, you know. And uh, in our worst moments, they're watching us. I'm amazed today at at those who have known the Lord for a long time who are um, living they don't even realize it, but they're blending into the world. So in, in the midst of a great emotion, a word will come out of their mouth, you know? Or um, there'll be an indulgence that they they no longer feel guilty about, and they just go ahead and do it. And people are looking at that. People ask me, am I going to go to hell if I do that? No, God, it's full of grace. He loves you. Then why? Um, is Just tell me, when you say those things or you do those indulgences, um, is that helping you move people closer to Jesus? Yeah. You know, yeah. people are watching us. I have people come up, um, not regularly, but I do have it on occasion, and they say, "I've been watching you for a while, mm. and mm. you actually walk your talk." Wow! You know, um, I, I, I just, I just take it. I'm on a 360 degree stage at all times, mm-hmm. and particularly when things go wrong, I, I want to, you know, what would Jesus do, kind of thing. I mean, it's a phrase, but actually, you know. And it, and it makes you happier, and you don't get upset, and, and you're just making good. It's so we just care to just laugh at it now, or things that used to get us upset. We just people are watching us; they're watching us, and and they're also watching us when we're sharing our faith. A lot of times, when I talk to somebody and somebody else is listening in, I find myself really talking to the person behind me that's watching me that they don't know I know they're there. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, every action, every word comes out of our mouth moves people closer or further away from God. That book, Celebration of Discipline, yes. came out years ago. I read that. I was so convicted by that. How on earth can you get there? And you don't do it overnight. But as you work at it over a period of time, you realize that uh, it's not perfection. It will never be perfect. It yeah. always fail. Often well, you, fail. But, you, you know, but people are watching. They are. And here's the thing. Actions, John, don't speak louder than words. That's another... I just tell you, that is just so wrong. Actions don't speak louder than words. That's giving us license to not speak. Like, I just live a good life. Mm-hmm. Well, none of us are living a good enough life to get ourselves into heaven, leave it out anybody else. Yeah. Actions speak before our words. If you're living a crummy life and then you start telling somebody about Jesus, you have zero credibility. Yeah. yeah. But when they watch you, and I know people watch me, and then when I have the opportunity to say something about God, I have credibility. Yeah. So actions speak before our words. Yeah. So those deeds are very important. Oh my! Yeah, they're everything. Yeah, they are. I mean, they are, they are what give credibility. So yeah, we are the city city hill. People are watching us all the time. If we, if we want to be in this game, we got to be in the game full time. One because you just want to be on the ready, but secondly, when you're on the ready, you're living. It's like when he said, "What they asked him, what commandment is best?" Okay, um, okay, love love me and love your neighbor as yourself. They're they're equal. And but here he goes on to say. And, and that'll satisfy the other eight. 
well, this is cool. I don't have to do 10. All I have to do is two. And it's really, it's really correct. But you think, why? Why did you say that? Because if you are concerned with loving your neighbor as yourself, you're as concerned for their salvation as you are your own, then I'm going to do everything possible to move that person closer to Jesus. Yeah. And that person is basically everybody all around me. Follow me? <laughs> yes. So when I'm doing that, am I stealing? Am I lusting? Am I doing all those other I'm not doing it. I mean, I hate legalism. I grew up in legalism. I got I didn't know why. If I was, I was afraid to move, I'd go to hell. I hate legalism. This is the opposite of legalism. It's do it because you love to do it. Because I, I do it because I want to move people closer to Jesus. So yeah. I just, I want to live be holy as I am holy will never be holy like him. But 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 the but the the goal is there, isn't it? Yes, it is. To live a Christ-like life. And people say there's something different about you. Yeah. I've been watching you. What is it? What's and you don't have to go preach. You just share. They just people want to know. They, they want to know. know. Well, what would you say to someone? You know, there are a lot of people out there that would say, well, you know, my my faith is private. It's between me oh, and God. Oh, that's the biggest lie. Well, let me just say one other quick scripture. There's one I love in John. I, I think it's seventeen seven. Jesus said, I sanctify myself, uh, not for my father, but for them, that they may sanctify themselves. There's different translations of that. But he's basically saying, I'm not doing it to please. I'm not living this life to please my father. I'm already, for Christians, we're already going to heaven. Right. We're not going to earn our way into heaven anymore by whatever we do, Right. So we sanctify ourselves not for him, not to get more brought not to make him love us more. He can't love us anymore. We sanctify ourselves for them yeah. that they may sanctify themselves. So you see, it's, it's this whole dynamic. When you start realizing that it's full time, it's all around us, it takes life to a whole nother level. Yeah. And when you live in that world, that's truth. It's not the things of this world. They're not truth. They're going to go and come. But God has controls. And when you do that, he promised you this. I think it's the second most powerful promise in the Bible after John 3.16. I promise you, I'll make everything in your life work for good when you live for my purpose. When you love me, you live for my purpose. It doesn't get any better than no, that. No, it doesn't. You know, I've watched you uh, on television, and you have a ministry. You actually use your business to draw people in to share Jesus yeah. with well, them. We don't have any role models. Yeah. You tell people they need to share their faith, but they don't know what that is. They're not qualified. I mean, I, I don't know enough. I'm not qualified. I don't have the gift. You know, it has not, it didn't say go in the world, you're gifted or paid or trained or whatever. Just, just go. Tell us a little and bit so, about your, your so ministry. So what I do, I interview people who are having time in their life sharing their faith like me. Okay. And, I, and they're all different types of descriptions. Some are old, some are young, some are women, some are rich, some are poor, some are... Uh, and, and, and some of them have been through horrible things in their lives. One, one, one gal, she had been trafficked all through her younger years, got pregnant twice while she'd been trafficked, married a drug dealer. And she is the most wonderful, wholesome, bubbly Christian. She shares her faith everywhere she goes, you know. She saw hell. Mm-hmm. And God escaped her from it. And then she didn't just keep it to herself. She's sharing it everywhere she goes. So there's a one common theme with everybody interview. They all do it different ways. All Everybody has a different way of doing it. But this one common thing is they're having so much fun. Yeah. And what we're doing for Christians watching Christian television. I mean, you turn on Christian television and you're like, 
what, wait a minute, uh, we're not in a church, we're not in a pastor's office, we're riding around in a cool car, we're in a car collection, and there's two lay people laughing, talking about how much fun they're having sharing their faith. It's, it's totally interrupting Christian TV, but when you listen to it, the point is strong. I I want to get in on the fun. Yeah. Oh, I can do that. I, I thought sharing my faith was I had to follow this script and whatever. I can just love on people. Yeah. And and let and let God do the rest. Well, I want to get in on that. So that's what we're doing. So it's called Ignite Your Life because when you start sharing your faith, it will ignite your life. Oh wow. And how can someone, how could our listener access that? Uh, you know, if you go on the web and just go to igniteyourlife.tv igniteyourlife.tv and tell you all about the show. It actually has a, a bunch of shows on there already, so you can watch them on, online. Yeah, they're Everyone's fun. special and fun. And, yeah, they're wonderful, yeah. and they they inspire you to want to go out and share your well, faith with other people. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. It is. We, we, need to, we, we need to get the church off the bench and into the gate. Well, I, uh, as we prepare to close this session, I'd like for you, I'd like to ask you a question. You have listeners today that they want to get in the game, mm-hmm. but they're hesitant for all kinds of reasons, yeah. or maybe they have all kinds of excuses. Yeah. What mm-hmm. would you leave them with that would challenge them to take that next step? And what would that step look like? Well, if, forgive me for throwing in a commercial, but uh, we have another website, ROTW.com. Okay. It's for revival outside the walls. So ROTW.com. And it takes people from baby steps into full-time, having the time of your life type thing. It gives, all, there's, you know, hundreds of videos and testimonials and scriptures and whatever. <clears throat> but really, it just boils down to, oh, I got to have a scripture. Just look around. Everybody around you is hurting. And just go love on them. And you don't have to say, you know, God said this. You know, there's a scripture here for you. You know, it, 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 nobody wants that. And yeah. we don't want to do it. If you just love on people, just love. I mean, genuinely love on. They're hurting. The world is hurting. Everybody around us is hurting. Even Christians are hurting. Yeah. And they need to be uplifted. Just be sensitive and, and go and just a touch. You know, you're, you have just a moment with somebody. Yeah. If nothing else, if you just look and say, hey, have a great day, and you look them in the eye, you don't rush away and just look away, hey, have a, God bless you. You look and say, and God bless you. That takes almost no effort. It takes three seconds longer. And you say it, and I can tell you 99% of the time, they look at you, wow, thank you. You just moved them closer to Jesus. Mm. And then when they start, when they say, well, wait a minute, I should get to know you better. There's something different about you. And it just grows. I mean, I was an introvert. I didn't know anything about it. And it's just like anything else, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Yeah. But it was almost more fun when I didn't know what I was doing because I was just out of there on my own and I didn't know it. And God was giving me this stuff and it was adventurous. And from when I did it all wrong, I made all the mistakes. I was a nervous wreck. I was breaking out of the sweat. There were results. I walked away and said, wow, you know. Yeah. And I realized it's not, it's, not a, it's not a set thing. I don't have to follow a certain pattern. Just... Just love. He said, they'll know you're my disciple by your love. Everybody needs love. Everybody. Everybody's hurt. Everybody today is hurting. Yeah. And when you love on them, just let them know you care. 
and, and, and say, God bless you. And and you get a little more bold, just say, can I pray for you now? You know, I say that all the time. I have never been turned down. Yeah. I've never once been turned ever in the most public of places. I'll be in a car show with thousands of people around, and they know who I am, and they know who I am talking to. And when people are hurting, you say, can I pray for you? They will say, yes. Mm. They're starving for They're starving for what we we have it. We're keeping we're keeping under the bushel. What are we doing? We have the answer. It's the more this thing of oh, I just want to live my faith to myself as a quiet. That is the most selfish thing you could possibly do on earth. How could you possibly have the good news and keep it to yourself? God help us. Yeah. Well, that happens too often. It and happens we, too it's often. Just, and, and there's no joy in that. There's no joy. And you, when you share it. It is just the most fun thing in life. And I'm, I'm convinced it's more, he, he compels, and one thing he mandates to do, I'm convinced he doesn't secondary to win the loss. He doesn't primarily win us to keep yeah. us in the game. Otherwise, we just atrophy. That's just right. Just like you, in the, I was in the hospital for two weeks. I got out, I couldn't stand up. You atrophy, and there's spiritual atrophy. When you don't use your faith, when you don't use the scriptures, you atrophy. So many Christians say, why do you know what to say? You've been going to church for how long? And you don't know the simple thing is God loves you yeah. and he gave his life for you? Yes. Come on. But when you do it, and then you're reminded, right? When you're sharing, you're reminded of all the wonderful things God has done for us and done for him. And it becomes so fresh every day. And it's just every day is an adventure. It just, it just overflows. And that's why he says, I, I, I point you as my witness so that you will believe. It is so, it is, folks, if you're not doing this, you don't even know what being a Christian is all about. You may be on your way to heaven, but you have no idea the joy of being a Christian until you get out there and just start loving everybody. Move yeah. everybody every day closer to Jesus. Hey, with that, we're going to bring our session to a close. This has been inspiring and challenging, and my prayer is that we will take what we've heard and we'll go put it into practice. Thank you, Barry. God bless you. I hope you enjoy listening to Influencers on the Charisma Podcast Network. Join us next week for another thought-provoking episode. And remember to use your influence to move people closer to Jesus.